Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guests today are Lisa Tosolini and Michael Wang Bickler. Whoa. Uh, Lisa is a third-generation member of the family Tosolini. They're distillers since 1943, and she started to work in 1999 in the communications and marketing department of the family business. Today, she is responsible for export sales for the distillery, and she has grown their presence to more than 60 countries in the luxury distillates niche, which we're going to unpack. And then Michael Wangbickler is a dip WSET and a CWE. A lot of initials there, Michael. He's the president of Ballsack, Ballsack, sorry, communications and marketing. And with his extensive experience, industry recognition, and a deep passion for sharing knowledge, Michael offers a unique and valuable perspective to the world of wine and spirits. Aside from successfully running a specialized PR agency in the wine and spirits industry, Michael also serves as an adjunct instructor at Napa Valley College. Welcome, Lisa and Michael. Thank you. Thank you much. Um, well, this is a, one of those special episodes uh, because <clears throat> we're not really we're not going to talk about wine per se. We're going to talk about spirits, and we're going to be talking about grappa, which. You know, if you read my email I sent out uh, uh, this morning, because we're recording this today, it was about grappa. It was about, I know grappa from like the Godfather movies. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I've had it a few times, um, but uh, I'm excited because Lisa and Michael are in town for uh, grappa days. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And um, why don't you tell everybody, we're not going to drink grappa because it is 1030 in the morning. Oh, well, it's the perfect time. time. I know. Yes. We right. start even earlier. Uh, I know. A little splash in your espresso. They, <laughs> like we say uh, here, Lisa, uh, you can't drink all day if you don't start early in the morning. <laughs> um, so what what actually did you bring, though? I would love to hear about uh, the bottle you brought today. Well, this is a classic grappa. So it's um, uh, the classic white uh, young grappa that is uh, used for uh, as a digestive mm -hmm. in the Italian culture, in the Italian uh, uh, way of life, style, lifestyle. And it's um, mainly, this one is mainly a mix of different grapes. Okay. Because grappa has so many souls, has so many different uh, varieties that uh, we can spend all the day telling about every single grappa. So this is just, a, um, this is the, the classic. Okay. I the, brought the classic. All right. Well, we're, we're going to actually unpack a little bit, but I do like to start at the beginning, and we're going to do uh, ladies first. So, Lisa, um, where are you from? I'm from uh, Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, which is the northeastern re uh, region of Italy. Uh, if you think about Venice, it's easier because mm -hmm. we are like uh, 50 kilometers from there. 
and uh, it's a it's a region where we grow a lot of grapes. You know, it's a vocated region for the production of wine, and that's what distilleries need to make grappa. We need the, the grapes, not all the grape. We just need the skins, so the leftover after the wine process. That's yes. why all the distilleries are mainly based in the northern part of Italy and are close to the wineries. So remind me and my listeners, what freely, what is that region known for wine-wise? What are some of the most popular wines that come out of that region? Yerman. Yerman wine. Okay. Uh, we have, um, well, we are near close to the region of Prosecco. Okay. So the Prosecco region is maybe, well, yep. better, better known. And uh, and we do have a grappa made of prosecco grapes, so it's uh, mainly white wines. Uh, we have a lot of we have more than sixty different uh, wineries, and uh, but the, Regions, but yeah. in the region, but the, the biggest is uh, for sure the what most well known is the prosecco. Beautiful. That gives everybody a, um, an idea because I. Italian wines are it's the most fascinating and some of the most difficult to understand in the world with all your indigenous varieties and which what makes it so special. But, you know, you say Prosecco, Pinot Grigio, they know Barolo. People, oh. you know, we, everybody knows those, right? Exactly. Um, so the biggest city you said would be would have been Venice, correct? Yes. Okay. So what's it like growing up in Friuli, though, like in the country? <laughs> It's not easy, <laughs> especially in this industry, you know, in the, yeah. in the production of grappa, that was uh, something was reserved to men, not to women. But nowadays, women are, are growing in Saudi's family businesses, uh, which are uh, the, the, the small artisanal distilleries that uh, are in Italy producing now grappa. And so... Girls, women are more and more involved in the business, but it was not easy at the beginning. You yeah. know, uh, a lot of times it happened to me that people, when I was showing up, uh, said, who, "Who are you, Tosolini? But you're a girl." Uh, I said, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know more than you know about Grappa, so listen to me." <laughs> do, do you have any siblings? Uh... Yes, I have two brothers. Okay, they are, are older than me. We all work in the distillery, okay. so it's a family business. Okay. My grandfather started during the Second World War in 1943, and uh, my father is uh, continuing, the, is still the president, and is, is, he turns 80 uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, so he's still the boss. And he's still running the distillery. But uh, me and my two brothers are uh, the future, the third generation. And we are the ones that will bring the grappa to the next level. So your grandfather picked it a great... It was a dream. No, yeah, it was know, a dream? It was a dream. Sometimes when people come to the distillery, I always say, this is not a distillery. This is a dream come true. Because when my grandfather started, it was very humble. It was very uh, young and grappa was his dream. And he was able to create uh, in the middle of the Renaissance after the Second World War. Well, in the middle. Yeah, I was, was going to say, he picked a really tough time to start a business. But the best occasions happened during the hardest uh, yeah. time. So he was able to do all this by following his dream. So where did that, I mean, so 
the beauty of a family business that's generational is the history gets handed down and you keep you've said uh it was his dream um did he ever impart to your father or to you directly i don't know if you got to spend any time with him what why was that dream so why was he so passionate about uh, having a grappa distillery because he thought that this was a distillate that was worthy to become more popular and you know the the at the beginning the production was really small mainly in the farmers mainly uh, in the backyards so the the real production of grappa for the consumption for the sales for the the, the distribution started just after the second world war and he thought that was that was uh possible and with a lot of he was so brave he was so uh determined uh, and he did it he created the first uh, the biggest seller for grappa in the north italy in the 70s 60s 70s and and so th- that was uh, his entire life and it was his dream and when i i was asked to if i wanted to work in the distillery and i said i cannot stop my grandfather dream and i i have my this is something i have inside and i have to bring it to the next level to the next generations and i'm pushing also my son who's only 10 <laughs> yeah to to live in in the environment you know to come with me and to see what i'm doing uh because if you want to get somebody passionate about something you have to explain you have to educate and that's what we do every day on the market we educate people on what we're doing i think grappa is one of the distillates in the world that are still a family business and not multinational properties not multinational companies we're still the ones that keep the the size as a family business even if we we want to be bigger even if even, even if they come at you with that LIV big money right you want to give it to family um so we're going to switch gears and we'll come back to that there's a lot to unpack there thank you uh michael yes sir where are you from man i originally grew up outside of detroit oh nice yeah but um, I moved to uh, California about 30 years ago, and I've been there ever since. So outside of Detroit, so like I'm a sports fan, like uh, Auburn Hills, like uh, Pontiac. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Farmington. Farmington, okay. And like, was your family like uh, family uh, Michiganders? For was that where your roots were? Michiganders, Michigan? yeah. Yeah, Michiganders. <laughs> yeah. Any ties to like the automotive industry or anything like that? Any? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, just about everybody in my family worked in the automotive industry one way or another yeah yeah so um yeah but um i didn't want to do that yeah so um you said you moved to california so you grew up did you go to university where'd you go to college uh, michigan state university ah, go green go <laughs> oh man shout out to my friend you know who you are who's from university of michigan she's gonna listen to be like oh go blue <laughs> um i love that so um Great sports teams. Like, what did you major in at, at Michigan State? Uh, funny enough, I majored in marketing. <laughs> so you're actually a person. I'm who, actually one of the people who, who who's in this business. People, yeah, yeah, one of the few people who actually has a major in the career that they actually chose. That's incredible. Um, and why did you chose? I mean, like, there's like, so for me, when I think of Michigan, I think that whole it's sports that Midwest. You got Ohio State, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, 
uh, was there, did you apply to University of Michigan? Did you apply to a bunch of different schools or was that just your dream school? Uh, I applied to uh, several, but um, Michigan State was definitely uh, number one on my list. Okay. So, um, and yeah, speaking of sports, you know, been a huge Red Wings fan for forever. Um, I grew up playing hockey. Okay. And um, one of my fondest memories actually is of the 1984 Tigers winning the World Series. So, uh, see, I lo- <laughs> um, and who who was that? You know, I've had NBA people. Who was who was that? Uh, who played for you, the basketball team while you were there, man? Uh, you know, honestly, it wasn't great when I was. Oh, there. You, you, yeah. So when you, I was when I was there, the football team was terrible. The basketball team wasn't much better. Um, so yeah, so there weren't very many uh, known players coming out um, during the years that I was there. But of course, you know, we have um, a bunch of um, oh, great yeah. players who have gone through the Michigan State program. Yeah, I think there's a, a certain guy named Magic Johnson who, oh yeah, one of the best to ever play the game. You got it. Um, so. You, you go there, you major in marketing, um, and uh, what did you do after? Did you move to California right after you graduated? Or? I did, okay. yeah. I, I you know, took a couple months to, to figure my stuff out, but, uh, but yeah, then I moved to California. Um, I originally wanted to work in the tech industry, okay. and so I did. I, did, I worked in the tech industry for about eight, eight or nine years, um, decided that that was um, not for me, and, um, and then moved into wine. Down in, and down in Silicon parents. Valley? Yeah, so um, I was living in Silicon Valley uh, in San Jose, and um, decided to make a. I had my. I like to say I had my midlife crisis uh, in my thirties, and um, moved up to wine country and started um, working uh, in wine and spirits. Um, what was your first wine and spirits gig? Uh, so I worked at a tasting room um, that is no longer uh, there. <laughs> so it was Franciscan. Uh, estates. Oh wow! So now it's the prisoner. Um, but yeah, so that's where I started. Oh, my. And like, so you're down Silicon Valley, have to make decent money at least, and then you go work yeah. in a tasting room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Because uh, tasting rooms now only pay in twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely took a major pay cut. Um, but you know, uh, wine spirits has that has that appeal, right? And mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy business to be in. Um, so the people who who actually are in it for the long haul and, and actually survive the first couple of years, they do it because they're passionate about it and because it's really something that is core to their values. And so that's me. You know, I basically, yeah, I, I you know, I basically, it took me like 20 years to get back to like the salary that I had <laughs> in, in tech, but, um, but uh, you know, no regrets. Yeah. Um- and had you started drinking wine when you're working when, in your other jobs? And had you were you doing a thing where a lot of people do? Well, let's go up to Napa. Let's go up to Sonoma for the weekend. Was it that type of deal? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I um, I took my um, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, up to Napa um, for a for a weekend, and we both just kind of fell in love with it. I, me probably more than her. Uh, and um, you know, Napa is much different than it was back then, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it basically kind of planted that seed that kind of caught the bug. And um, I guess the rest is history. Well, there's a lot of history. There's a lot before we get to the rest is history. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I also love that. Um, so you start in the taste room, which I think is amazing. Like you literally have started. You start started at the, the bottom. Up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then did you continue at Franciscan or did you move over to like what was your kind of like next foray? Like how do we get how do we get to. Uh, ball sack communications yeah so um 
Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I worked a few years at, at Franciscan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a very short gig and in a uh, collective tasting room as a tasting room manager. Um, but the whole time, actually, um, when I was considering the move up to wine country and, and ha- as I was doing it, I had uh, reached out to a few people in the business, basically asking for some more, like, just interview to kind of information, get, a, get an idea of, of what it was like and get some advice. And so one of the people that I uh, reached out to was a gentleman named Paul Wagner. And um, he owned a, an agency called Balzac Communications. Um, and basically, um, I, I went in and talked to him. He, he was very generous with his time. And he basically told me that, yeah, your, your PR and marketing skills are solid, but you really need to learn more about wine. Mm. And so I took that advice, and, and that's what I did. I went um, and I went through the WSCT program. Uh, I went, you know, and um, learned as much as I possibly could, took classes at, at uh, Napa Valley College. And um, and basically just bugged the crap out of him until he hired me. <laughs> and that was, you know, oh, yeah, it's almost 20 years ago now. Um, and so, yeah, so I started basically at, at Balzac as an account executive. And um, and then over time, I basically just kind of took on more responsibility. And eventually, um, Paul and I agreed that I would purchase the agency from him and that's where we are today. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, obviously, Lisa, there was spirits in your spirits in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for you in Michigan, uh, wine on the table, booze in the house. I mean, you know, of, of, of note. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I don't want to assume, but like, yeah, no, not really. Yeah. You know, I mean, my 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 mom always had that kind of jug of like Carlo Rossi. Yeah. You know, in the in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, no, not really. Uh, so, um, I, it really kind of came out of my love of, of food and wine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, um, you know, like, uh, Food Network had just really, um, started to get going and the whole kind of new food movement, um, in the U S had started. And along with that, you know, also comes, um, wine and spirits as well. And so I think that's really kind of the, the foundation of where I where I ended up is basically I just kind of fell in love with, you know, the good life of food and wine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So growing up, Lisa, um, <clears throat> uh, you're in wine country, so I assume there was wine at meal and then there was at every meal and then finished off with your, your digestif of, of grappa? So. Every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> More than once a day. <laughs> Lunch and dinner. Well, you have a, every day. You have a glass of wine right. at least. Mm-hmm. It's part of our culture. Yeah. Um, it, it's not food if you don't put the wine together. It's not a lunch. It's not a dinner, and it's part of our culture. So yes, I love that. And you said we, it's we, not we food. We are in a, in a in a region that is producing the, the best wines in Italy. So at least uh, white wines. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things I admire most about um, European culture, especially in Italy, is that they actually sit down and, and enjoy their lunch rather than sitting, standing over a garbage can eating it while they're you know, waiting to get to their next uh, I know, meeting. Yeah, but, but also as an aperitif. You know, when you go yeah. out with friends, what do you have? You have a glass of wine. Or a Negroni. Negroni is very popular in New York City wine culture, I can tell you. Like, that's like... Necroni, yeah. Americano, yeah. <laughs> all those are right. very popular in Italy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, now we're talking about food and wine, um, or food and spirits. And it's so funny because I, I, I can't wait to cause talk more about grappa, but um, what is kind of like... I know in Italy, like, there's regional... There's indigenous grapes each region. Kind of what's the food 
of Friuli? Kind of what's the, the specialties? Well, we are a region that uh, was on the border, so we are close to we are close to uh, Slovenia and Austria. So we got the influence of all these cultures, and our cuisine is more uh, influenced by you know Austro-Hungaric uh, empire, and um, we have uh, typical classic food from Friuli, which is quite uh, quite heavy and based on our production so we have a lot of pork uh, where we do sausages uh, we do um, we have the, the the cheese we have cheese in any any way we have the frico which is our uh, traditional dish in Friuli which is just a, a cheese cooked uh, like a, like a cake and uh, if you come to Friuli, I will let you have okay, one. You let me <laughs> come in winter. Okay. <laughs> so the north of Italy. Goulash, goulash, which is goulash. we call we call it in a different way, yeah. but it's part of our tradition. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a melting pot of different uh, cultures that uh, left a little bit uh, of their food culture in our region. Yeah, yeah. And you think you think of um, Italy, a lot of people think of pasta. And, right. Um, so this is not pasta area, right? This is, uh, and you also think of like olive oil perhaps. So the southern Italy, you have the pastas and the olive oils. And in the north north of Italy, you've got the butter and the rice. Yeah. No, that's, it's, we do think, and, and, and also I remember way back in the day, like in, in the late 90s, I had a, a girlfriend. She was from Pojibonsi. And um, she was like, she came over to me and she was like, she's like, they're not Italian. They're from the South, right? Because it's like, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I've noticed that when I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very interesting because a lot of, uh, you know, American Italians are hailed from the South, actually, uh, a larger number. And what you share was so true. Um, we also, we don't have. Because we're not bordered. I mean, we, we're bordered by Canada. The borders here are so different from they are in Europe. And also, uh, particularly Italy, Italy was like uh, city-states that there are, like, there's a lot of changes of of uh, power and governance. And, and like you said, so these various cultures have touched and left their mark. And it, and it's, and um yeah, and mainly every region have their own, you know, specialities, and uh, especially uh, Milan, where you can find the uh, uh, rice, as you said. So that's the meat. risotto, which the, I the, oh. the north, uh, yeah, the north uh, and the south has, uh, you know, Naples. The pizza has uh, the, the, the pasta. Um, every region have uh, really different culture, different uh, different different culture in, in the cuisine as well. Yeah. You know? So that's why we are so different, and the variety that you can find in such a small place like Italy, such a small country, are amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Less than fifty kilometers, you have a completely different lifestyle and drinks and and food, and it's amazing. Yeah, tortellini in Bologna, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and so, Michael, um, you have uh, what's the origin of your last name? It seems it's it's a it's a it's the first time I've met a Wang Bickler. <laughs> yeah, probably that. Uh, if if you encounter anybody with that name, they're related to me. Um, so uh, I only have apocryphal 
um, <laughs> stories sure. around, my, around my name. Uh, and so basically, uh, you know, it uh, originally was German. Um, we were not quite entirely sure, you know, what the what the original was, but it's it changed somewhere, you know, between that whole Ellis Island. When, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, uh, my some of my relatives claim that our that our it, it was um, Valgenbuchler. Um, and it was just too hard to spell, and so they decided to short. Yeah, they went. To, they went. Jersey, went Wang yeah. Bickler <laughs> went straight American. Oil. Yeah, <laughs> and most actually, most of my relatives, my distant relatives, have an H instead of a K, and mm. my grandfather changed it to a K for some reason. Um, I, with the the again apocryphal, it's like when he when he entered the military, he served in the navy, mm-hmm. um, that he um, uh, changed his name, but. Um, I don't know for sure, but originally it's 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 German, and I'm mostly mostly German, but I am also um, very American in the makeup of my ancestry. Yeah. I came from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So, what was a typical um, Detroit cuisine or Midwestern cuisine? So, well, Detroit, yeah. So Detroit's pretty unique, actually, in in um, in its cuisine. Funny enough, um, we have what we call Coney Island hot dogs. I know. I've, I've seen that. <laughs> what, what is that about? Yeah, please explain. We have, we have Coney Island restaurants everywhere. And um, so it basically it's a special kind of chili dog um, with, uh, you know, special chili and mustard and onions. And, and um, so, um, but yeah, we call it Coney Island hot dogs, even though it's like, you know, not related to Coney Island, um, New York at all. So, um, yeah. And then, of course, we've got the Detroit uh, style pizza which is which is a square it, deep dish it's like in a pizza. resurgence like we used to just call that sicilian style here but yeah. like now it's like uh i've i've watched all the cooking stuff so it's because like they don't do the cheese run over and it, the sides are caramelized or something yeah, yeah there's that plus plus they um they put the sauce on top so they put uh, the cheese on top of the dough and then they put the sauce on top so that the dough doesn't get soggy Interesting, yeah. interesting. Now somebody in Sicily, somebody from Sicily is going to listen like that's not pizza. <laughs> no, totally not. No, nope. It's definitely not traditional pizza. It's it's very loose interpretation. Yeah. Okay. So, um, talk about Lisa. Uh, your talk about your dad, kind of running the business because your grandfather started, and I guess your father helped grow it, and you and you mentioned. You're doing this with your son now, who's 10, showing him the business. So what was it like watching your dad uh, build out the business? You follow, you follow, the, I mean, it's it's difficult when you talk about the family business. No, you, you don't really get to know how to make things. You don't really have somebody who is telling you what to do. You just watch and you 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 share the same passion you you see how passionate the, this this man is and you believe that uh, this is part of yourself so i i think to transfer the passion and transfer the the the, the, the tradition to some, somebody else is uh, it has to be like uh, so smooth and 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 doesn't have rules no so it's just staying together, doing things together, take decisions together. This is how you build uh, this this tradition. You build this this legacy that um, then becomes part of your life. And it's uh, you cannot learn this at school. You, they, nobody will teach you. So it's uh, something that you feel inside. 
and it's uh, this is i believe the most uh, incredible thing that uh, uh, happens in family that are businesses and that are uh, you know trying to carry on and to transfer this to the next generations it's something very European, it's something very uh, traditional Italian, that the, the father wants his son to continue and wants his grandsons to continue again. So it's a, something that we have in our heritage. And um, I hope this will continue in the future because what we need to understand is where we're going and what we're gonna do next. Absolutely. So did you and <clears throat> you and your brothers, did you grow up kind of playing in the distillery or like oh yes <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most um how do you say when you, you the most uh um i don't have the word in english but it was really say it, say it in uh, italian um pericolos dangerous oh, okay the most dangerous place to play and it's we like, were like, like, a, like an, it's like an OSHA violation. I was like, told, I was like isn't that the best for a kid? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, right. like it's a distillery, right? Like no, it can blow nobody, up. No, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> nobody cares about you. You, know? you, you're there, so you're safe. Uh, you, we know where you are, but it was really dangerous. If I think today what I've done when I was a kid, and it was really, you have these big holes with all the the the, the skins inside that. If you drop there, nobody will see you for that's, the next two months. That's that's, so, no, that, that's so Gen X. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so if you survive, yeah. Yeah. we are survivors. Yeah, that's, 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 I was like, yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, if you survive there, you can do everything. I'm old enough where I I remember when you had to start wearing seatbelts, and I remember. Yep. I remember we, I didn't wear seatbelts. I'd be in the front seat of the car, and like my, my dad stopped short. His arm was the yep, seatbelt, yep, right? Yep, you know what yep. I mean? Like, like, yep. like fall off a bike, no helmets. You know, like, like, I'm like, oh my god! Now I see kids like. I'm, a, I'm amazed I never broke a, broke, broke a bone. It was amazing. Yeah. Some of the things that we did as kids. It it it, it is in, it's it's insane. Different world. It's a totally different world. Like it's easier to hurt someone's feelings than break a bone nowadays. Seriously. <laughs> Um, um, your brothers, they're both older. Um, I always love to explore relationships between siblings. So were they protective or did they kind of beat you up and bully you? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, depends. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of both, I think, uh, and um, we all work in the separate uh, we, we have different uh, careers you know and so we are quite independent on mm-hmm. what we're doing and uh, probably yeah it's we we never I mean, it's not that we don't care but we we are trying everybody has to express themselves mm-hmm. uh, so um, they're not protecting me any. I, I am the one who is the most uh, active, and I, I do things that generally they don't want to do, and I do it anyway. So I want to go straight in my way, and 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 I'm the one that with more energy, probably. So they try probably to stop me, but they they couldn't. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> You guys got you want to say something like, no, no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> and and I'm the the youngest. 
yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's so funny. How about you, Michael? Siblings, brothers, sisters? Uh, yeah, I have some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many you got? Uh, well, that's um, that's a difficult uh, question to answer. Gotcha. But I have some steps and some half. Okay. I have half half sister and. So, um, yeah, but we're all, uh, we all have different career paths and, okay. you know, living our own lives. Yeah, so, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Very American to have steps and halves. Um, so, um, Lisa, you, you started in communication marketing. Is that what you studied at university or just picked up? No. You just, I love that. That you know? was the only free space. Okay. At that time, <laughs> nobody was taking care of the marketing, so I said, here I am. <laughs> That's my space inside. Um, because I was uh, young, I was 24, so probably it was the, 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 most, the eas easier mm -hmm. thing to do in the beginning of 2000. No, the, the, the marketing was not so... Um, like like it is today mm -hmm. it was a small part of the uh, of the, the game it was the the, the the biggest one was sales uh, and the other one was production so marketing was a small space where i could grow all my ideas and uh, i was free to move everywhere everything i i, w I was doing was new and uh, especially in this kind of businesses that c starts from a long time ago, you have uh, at the beginning you don't have marketing, no real marketing. So everything we have done in the last twenty-three years uh, was new. It was completely new and made from the heart because nobody. I I didn't go to a marketing school, mm -hmm. so everything I learn, I try to put it on the market and on my brand, going around. I was involved in the export sales, so I've been traveling a lot around the world and uh, watching what the others was were doing. And this is uh, what I've learned. I learned on on the on the market, so on the field. And this is the best way to learn, because you also see the the advantages and the disadvantages, and you try to to take only the good part. Yeah, that makes sense. And Michael, as a marketing specialist, why don't you talk about, because I think people don't understand that. But sometimes when my father disagree on what I'm doing, <laughs> he says, you have to go and make a marketing school before you push your ideas <laughs> on my distillery. So he's still very active. Wait, does he have a marketing degree? No. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so funny. He's just, that's just like he the bad card, he, right? He painted yeah. all the labels. He designed all the bottles. Mm -hmm. He did all this stuff uh, without any marketing. And now that I want to make some right. changes, <laughs> I have to go to the marketing school. Yeah. Yep. Um, but people, I think, and I'd love to hear your take on it, and I think you alluded to it, Lisa, um, marketing is sales. Like, yes, it is. Like, people, like, 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 Marketing is a function of sales. Yeah. I mean, the ulti ultimately, the reason that you have marketing programs is to sell more of your products. Right. right. But what is what what is was born first, marketing or sales? No, like the egg. I know. And I know. It's, it's actually I know chicken and egg, right? Marketing or sales? I mean, let's see. So you sell because of the marketing, or you can do marketing because well, you sell? Well, I think, and this is a good topic we're diving into. <laughs> I think people don't understand branding versus actually marketing and branding. I think branding, a lot of there's a lot of branding that goes on. True. Um, that doesn't move product. Um, creates brand awareness. Uh, I think because I have a undergrad in 
corporate communications with marketing management and I think and video production I think that people miss that the sales and marketing should be working together like they're not you know so because you look at a show like so you're in, you're a market you look at Mad Men right like yeah. right yep so much of that stuff was just branding like just create yep. a slogan yep you know um, yep well that's that was typical of advertising back in the day you know because it was all about slogans and jingles and like coming up with clever um, advertising and you know I, honestly um, I think it's a lot more honest today than it was back then <laughs> I always think back to that episode of Mad Men when, you know, um, when he's like talking to the cigarette company, you know, Lucky Strike and, you know, comes up with a slogan, it's toasted. Yeah. You know, and it's like uh, I face palm as to, you know, the, how, that would never work today. Yeah. That was so great. I was on like, oh, that's how you different it. It's to- they're all toasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's one there's one um, uh, like a, one of the beers uh, was like it's triple filtered well all beers were triple yeah, filtered yeah, right, yeah. but they put it out there like right yeah. this, 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 ours is triple filtered yeah. right right um, so as a account executive what was your job uh when you first started so uh we we did mostly pr at okay. that time and so uh it was a lot of media relations so i was coming up with stories for our clients and um, going out pitching it to media and um, getting articles written about um, the clients that I was working with. You know, this is a great um, talk more about because I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out what PR is because um, I think PR is shifting because now we have social media and they're looking for influencers and stuff like or different outlets. Um, when you are putting together like so so when you're putting together a campaign like for Grappa Days, Hello Grappa, mm-hmm. um, sit down with the client <laughs> and then what kind of what's the process of, of building out like an event like this? Well, you know, you're right. Absolutely. That um, PR is different than what it was 20 years ago. Uh, the, the blinds have blurred. And really today we just consider we actually kind of go, are going back to almost the original definition of what public relations is. And that's it's as simple as having relations with the public mm. um, and you have different publics. Right. And you're going to reach those publics through different means and through different channels. And so really it's all, all a matter of getting the story right and then telling that story. Um, in every possible way you can, whether it's advertising, social media, PR, events, etc. So, um, you know, when we're putting together some uh, a program like Hello Grappa, which is actually um, a number of events that we're doing um, this week in New York, we're promoting those events through public through media relations. So we're putting out press releases. Um, we've um, been in contact with many uh, different influencers and media people. Uh, we've um, put we've done, been doing uh, social advertising, social media content, and uh, so it all kind of works towards the same goal, which is to get people to come out to the events to experience Grappa for themselves. Uh, and the the hope is that that they walk away from those events loving Grappa like the rest of us do, and then they go out and then they tell the world that Grappa is something that they need on their list as as a as a restaurant or, you know, as a consumer that they're saying, Hey, have you ever, have you had grappa? Here's some, here's some uh, examples that you might want to try. (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa, um, talk to me about, you mentioned this earlier, but let's dive deeper into being a woman, a young woman in this industry for you and what it took. Some of the things you had to overcome, like I said, Oh, you're Tosalini, but you're, you're a girl. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I said before, you know, it was it was quite difficult. You no, know? people don't get you, see you in a serious way because you're not a man, and this is a man business. So uh, talking about uh, something that it's uh, doesn't uh, represent uh, your identity, it's uh, it's difficult. But then when you you get uh, you start talking and they see the the passion they see the knowledge they see how you can transfer your all the all the the, the topics all the, the 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 tradition of your of your family then they start to see you in a different way so at the beginning it wasn't it was not easy were there many but starting from the family yeah. no well no you don't have to do that you don't have to go there so you have to so even your family was like ah of course yeah <laughs> everything started from there <laughs> that's why you became more uh, energetic and you became you because you need to um, conquer all the next step. Mm-hmm. There's nothing easy. There's nothing. You have to work twice as hard. Yeah, you have to work twice as hard, and uh, this makes your character more strong and uh, gives you all the necessary skills to to move forward and to to develop uh, your ideas. And you never stop. So going on and on, it's more and more. Uh, easy in some ways. Yeah. And then you become old and when you're old She's not you can old. do everything. She's <laughs> not old <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, you can you become wise and, Yes, uh, you're wiser. When you talk, you know what you're talking about and people feel that you are uh, quite um, confident with what you're doing and then that that's how you you start to become um uh the, the 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 meanings in english are you became more uh, uh not serious but um respected res- yes respect in some ways yeah yeah um how many women were there how many women were there back when you started and kind of working in the industry not that much yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that much and i remember they only have to wear skirts <laughs> they, they were not allowed to wear trousers. Wait, so wait, wait. This is nineteen ninety nine? You said me? No, but no, not at my time. Yeah, when my, fa- oh, my but, grandfather. But, but, okay, so it was yeah. like the stories. So it was the, totally mad. It's like pencil skirts. The yeah. stories that they told me was that they couldn't wear uh, trousers. They only could wear skirts. So things uh, have changed <laughs> in the last uh, eighty years. We celebrate this here. Our 80th anniversary. 80th anniversary? Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's a lot. Um, I think it's one thing about a family business, too. I mean, we have companies here that were in business that we have one out, like Sears and Roebuck. Like, like, so it's, it says a lot to be able to keep a business open that oh. long. Um, speaking of women. That also means that you're serious and that you're working no, good, that you're doing uh, your job properly. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you don't survive for... 80 years yeah yeah i mean i think and also a lot of the companies out of that i mean there's a cycles on some of those companies didn't keep up when the internet happened yeah they didn't innovate they didn't innovate and i think you lose like you're always trying to improve the product and change your dad's labels and 
that's innovation. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I launched a couple of years ago a grappa that is um, a little bit has this smoky aftertaste, okay. the smoky finish, mm -hmm. because it's going around the world. I learned that people, I mean, whiskey is one of the most uh, whiskey and mezcal, yeah. Uh, and then also the, and the craft cocktails would actually literally yeah, smoke. put it in smoke. Like it became a thing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I noticed this and I came back and I said, I want to have something that has a smoky finish. And so I invented the grappa smoke. And uh, the beginning was very difficult because my father said, no, you don't, you can't do that. <laughs> and now he's one of the best sellers. <laughs> you should see the, uh, when the YouTube, so you'll happy. see the smile on her face. She's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> what did your mother think of this, of you going into the, the family business? What did your mother well, she, she never worked uh, in the distillery, so she was at home. She grew up the kids, uh, mm -hmm. us as kids. Uh, so she supports uh, all of us. She's a great supporter. Uh, sometimes you need somebody who is just uh, giving you the right, uh, you know, yes, go, mm -hmm. go, do whatever you want, mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. And so this is the main, uh, her main uh, job, supporting. Yeah. Make everything easier. That's what moms are for. Yeah. Um, what about, let's talk about grappa, um, because you said, so I, you know, did a little research, pumice and must and all this stuff. Um, you're near Prosecco. There's all types of grape varieties. So first of all, how is grappa made? Do you want the, the lesson or you want <laughs> We want the lesson. We got plenty of time. <laughs> well, grappa is, um, is made from the skins. So what we need is not the juice. Uh, we only need, uh, which is... The leftover skins. The leftover skins. Mm -hmm. With the juice, you do the wine. Mm -hmm. So that's why all the distilleries are based near to the wineries. Because what we need is to have the fresh skins okay. just after the pressing. Okay. The skins are... Um, two types. They come from white wine or they come from red wines. If they come from the red wine, they we must wait until the skins ferment with the wine. Okay, yep. Because the skins gives right. the to color. the red wine mm -hmm. the color. Mm -hmm. The white skins coming from the red wine, uh, from the white wine, they arrive at the distillery and they ferment in the distillery. Fermentation is the process that brings the sugar that you have in the skins, because the skins are dry, but not so dry. They have to be moist, still moist with a little bit of, of juice, of, of grape juice. And this is full of sugar that have natural yeasts mm -hmm. that transform the sugar into alcohol. So as soon as you got this transformation that has to be carried out in a very few time, because you need to have to keep the freshness of the grapes, you're ready for the distillation. So the distillation is a concentration. You made it through the steam. So the steam goes through the skins. So you cook some, some way the skins and the vapor that rise to the top is a concentration of the flavors of the aromas of the skins. And this then becomes liquid when it goes through a cooler. And that's what you have. You have the grappa itself. So it's a, the grappa is a, concert, a concentration of the aromas of the grapes. That's why you need to have fresh grapes and comes from the distillation of the skins. 
just the skins. Just the skins. Can be called grappa only the distillation of Italian skins in the Italian territory. You can produce the same product everywhere in the world, but you cannot call it grappa. Can so if you're an American, just ask uh, <laughs> champagne. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, same yeah, thing. cognac, champagne. Yep. it's the same thing. Um, it's a protected GI. Yeah, yeah. What about? So you said this was a classic grappa. Um, what are some of the grape skins that went into like a classic grappa? Depends on the region where you are. Okay. So it depends. Uh, so this one that you made, what's in that? Oh, here we have we have like Pinot Grigio, uh, Moscato, and Chardonnay, and uh, Friulano grapes. So it's a mix of different varieties, and uh, these varieties are basic uh, coming from our region. So we only use the skins from our region. But if you come, if you go to Veneto, if you go to Piemonte, if you go to other regions, then you have different. Uh, grapes and you obtain grappas from different skins and this is the the, the incredible thing about grappa uh, you have so many varieties of grapes and 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 you have so many varieties of grappa that's why always when somebody say i don't like grappa i said you should find the one that you like because there are so many different different skins uh, different grapes, uh, varieties, different uh, distilleries, uh, a different system of distillation, different stills. Uh, everybody, every, every distillery has his own way of distilling. They, they, their own rules. And so you can find so many different grappas that you must have one that you like. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you ever make... Um, a grappa from any red wine grapes yeah okay we have one from all the red grapes it's it's different you know it's uh well our our production our distillation is um is uh, is very smooth so what we do is um uh, we use different steels uh depending on on the product <coughs> on on the distillate the final distillate we want to have so and we only use uh, fresh grapes so we don't we don't have uh, we do not have any way of conserving or um, stocking the skins the skins should be fresh and this is our main uh, th this is the main ingredient of a good grappa and our grappa is very smooth compared to others we are very well known for the smoothness of our distillates and this is part of it's a, it's not a secret, but it's part of the entire process. You know, every distillery has its its own, and uh, depending on the grapes uh, you use, uh, you obtain different uh, different uh, different products. Then you have another step. It's the aging process. The aging process gives also other different qualities to the grappa, different characteristics, different uh, taste. Uh, so it's not the the, the incredible world of grapes, different varieties that gives you different gra grappas, but also the aging process is, is, is in enlarging the, the, the types of grappa that you can find on the market. And I believe in America, mm, there are only few coming, but the, the world of grappa is, is really rich and, and big. And it's, uh, you can spend uh, a vacation going around the distilleries and tasting grappas you 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 don't even imagine uh, we have 
And so there is a lot to do to, to introduce also the high quality, high level grappa in the market, especially in the U.S., you mentioned aging. <clears throat> Do any of these go through like a barrel aging at all? Yeah, barrel aging. Okay. Barrel, big barrels, small barrels, barrique, uh, uh, different types of wood. Uh, depends. We can use cherry. We can use chestnut. We can use uh, uh, oak, uh, traditional oak. Uh, uh, we have a range of different grappas aged in barrels that previously held uh, uh, whiskey from famous distilleries in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, Barbon from America, wines from uh, France. So Grappa is still trying to find uh, a position in the world, but also we are still writing the story of Grappa. It's still evolving. It's not arrived to the final to the final uh, step. We are still moving on and trying to find uh, a way to you know, making grappa uh, more, uh, maybe e even easy to drink, mm -hmm. because grappa is quite strong. You know, the flavor and uh, the, the aromas no. are quite strong. And and the palate, uh, the international palate, it's uh, it's not used to do this such strongness. And so we need to, especially in the aged pro aging process, you you make the grappa more smoother and easier to drink in some ways so we're still trying to learn more about the product and to educate people to drink it yeah, i think the style is evolving for grappa um it is becoming um more smooth uh it is uh, uh much more approachable as a spirit uh, than it may have been traditionally and um, again that comes to innovation right mm -hmm. and uh so people um may be surprised the next time they pick up a grappa if they haven't had one in a while. Yeah, I was thinking about your um, the, the the smokiness you wanted to add to your grappa. Do you do that through the char and the barrel? No, no trade secrets, but like I know a lot of times that have to do with the toast of the barrel it's aged in, or is that how you're achieving it? Some from that, and some from the tobacco leaves ah. it's that we use in the toasting process. Because there are two ways of, of making uh, a product like that. Mm -hmm. You can smoke the skins, mm -hmm. but then uh, what you obtain, because uh, then you have to distill them, so you have to concentrate their aroma. And the aroma of uh, uh, like the old cigarette, no, yeah. it, it's not good, it's not fresh, it's not something it's not. you want to concentrate. <laughs> So this is a way of doing things. I prefer to do the grappa with the with the fresh skins uh, to make it properly to do all the distillation, all the aging process into oak barrels, and then at the end make a finish. So put it in these barrels that have been uh, toasted with the, also with the tobacco leaves, and they give you this incredible uh, fresh smell of smoke mm -hmm. which is not the same as, as whiskey right. which is different it's really something uh, new different and that's why this grappa has so much success were you working with michael in 2020 you could you should have came made some american grappa there's tons of smoke tainted grapes you could have made some <laughs> grappa out in 2020 up in napa <laughs> 
We don't talk about that. Anymore. <laughs> you also talk about um, what is the role of like a distillery in the world of sustainability? Because you are taking a product, the must, the leftover skins, and you're using them. So, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, at your role in the sustainability of yeah, but Grappa is a perfect environmental, uh, friendly, eco-friendly product. Uh, uh, you don't you don't waste anything from the beginning when you harvest mm -hmm. the grapes, and with the grapes you do the wine, and with the stem you do the you know the the the, the, the wooden stem. Uh, of the grapes, you can do uh, like um, um, compost. Yeah, compost, something like that. Mm -hmm. Or and with the skins, you do the the the, the grappa. You mm -hmm. do the the distillate, and then with the leftover of the distillation, you do compost again. So it goes back mm -hmm. in the vineyards, mm -hmm. and and goes back to the to the. It's it's a circular, circular uh, economy. Exactly. Yeah. That is. Perfect, yeah. absolutely perfect. Then, if you use the solar uh, energy to to do all the like we do, uh, to do all the process, then it's uh, absolutely uh, environmental friendly product. So yeah, talk about this. So I didn't know that. I did not know this. So talk about your distillery is uh, uses solar power. Yeah. So who who drove that? Was that your brothers, your father? How did the family come to decide that we're gonna? Um, make these changes because solar energy wasn't a big thing when your grandfather grandfather started and even not so much when your dad but i mean it's become over the past 30 40 it's years it's a more. matter of evolution no? is that what we said before yeah. you know the every every member of a family is given a piece of the evolution of of the business and uh of course the when the time was okay for the solar panels and we decided to do this uh, big step uh, and we have the, the roof of the distillery which is quite big and uh, was space for for putting all the panels uh, and then we said we need to do that it's a uh, fundamental for the future and also for the sustainability of the business for uh, all the for the world so everybody has to do a, a small piece to make a better world, and this is what uh, we've done, and and so following this this philosophy of uh, circular economy, uh, solar panel were the the most clever thing we have done. Mm -hmm. And when it comes, I just, I just like I'm thinking of this facility. I have to come visit because you're gonna <laughs> trick me out, give me the royal treatment. Um, would you, do you have, I would assume, some type of reserve grappas? Um, where do you, where do you, do, 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 are there grappa cobs or anything underground? Where do you store these things while you're aging them? Um, yeah, so you store them in the cellar. We have the you have cellar. Okay. Yeah. In, in barrel or in tank. In barrel like, and tanks. Yeah, just like you would with any uh, other kind of um, aged spirit. Gotcha. 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 So. The white goes mainly in the stainless steel tanks. That, that so at least for 12 months mm -hmm. because you need to you know the, the, the distillation is a uh, like a storm 
uh, that uh, is moving, is, is separating all the different uh, uh, aromas, mm -hmm. the volatile molecules mm -hmm. that are co then creating the bouquet. So it's it's breaking all these uh, like a storm, and then you need to recover. You need to 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 put everything back together, and at least twelve months of stainless steel tanks are needed mm. to create. Uh, uh, the, the the perfect uh, the perfect grappa before you bottle, so you always you never drink a grappa from the same year. At least it's one year, but this is called young because it's clear and it doesn't have any aging process behind. You could do a grappa nouveau. <laughs> no, Mike's like no. <laughs> that would not that would not be pleasant. Um, it needs it needs time. Yeah. you know it does it does yeah. need time um, to settle down um and uh yeah with the white grappa at least 12 mm. months in stainless steel yeah what about um i assume when you're when when it started your grandfather was the distiller is that correct or did he hire a distiller no 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 he was distiller. okay so is the is the master distiller still one part of the family part yes. of the family yes yeah now we have called people that sure. is working system, inside right. uh, because the, the, when the process started as we want to distill fresh, mm -hmm. we start during the harvest. Mm -hmm. So we distill only in September, October, and November, and you distill 24 hours for seven days a week. Okay. So you cannot be there, but you have, you decide, you st we still decide the, the, the parameters that we need to have, the water, the, 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 the how long it takes to, to one, to create one, uh, distillation batch. Uh, so there are, it's like I, I, I always talk about the, the steel as the coffee machine, mm. the old Italian coffee machine, where you put the, the water inside mm. and you have oh, yeah, a filter, the coffee, the ground, and then you put the, the, the you eat, you warm it up, yep. and the vapor goes through the coffee beans yep. and becomes liquid. Yep. And that's our coffee. Got it. From the mocha. Yeah. The steel is the same. So you have different parameters. How much water, how, 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 how quick is the, the, the distillation, uh, or how slow is the distillation, and how you press the grapes, uh, how much you press the grapes. So there are so many different things uh, that makes uh, your grappa different from the others. It's not just putting the product inside and opening the the, the steam. No, it's it's more it's than that. It's not instant presto grappa. Yeah, no. <laughs> K cup so, grappa. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, to to reiterate what uh, what Lisa said, uh, you know, it's important to know that this is a grape based spirit, right? So yep. so like unlike a whiskey, which is grain based, mm -hmm. which you can make all year round. Yep. Uh, you know, oh, with grappa, yeah, it's only made once point. a year, right? As you know, mm. as those. Um, as those skins, um, as that pumice comes um, to the distillery from the winery, mm. um, you know, it has to be processed right away. So to her point, it's a very like it's very intense for a few months as, mm -hmm. they're, as they're doing mm -hmm. this. Um, and then and then it goes on to age. It's so. like the harvest. It's just, just like making wine is a harvest. It's a very it's, intense period. Until exactly. you get it's, it, you know it's it's like it's like also, it's barrel. like brandy, right? Yep. So you know, like how they make cognac or armagnac or Spanish brandy or whatever, um, they're making that from the wine itself. Mm -hmm. But um, but it it's it's it's, a, it's still made a great base spirit, so it can only happen once a year, and then it goes on to age um, in whatever way that they 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 determine. Yeah. So let's um, talk a little bit more about Hello Grappa. 
the tour that's going on. Um, besides Lisa, who are some of the other uh, producers that are going to be here, Michael? So we have uh, 11 different producers um, who are going to be here, and I can't name them all um, because <laughs> because it would take us a while to get through them all. Um, but basically, Hello Grappa is it's a it's a three year uh, informational and promotion, mm. pro, uh, promotional campaign. We're near near the end of it, but it's promoted by Asso Distill, um, which is uh, the uh, National Association of Ethanol and Spirits Producers um, from Italy, and it's co-funded by the European Union. So um, the goal of the promotion is to raise awareness of Verapa, um, uh, both the product as well as the geographic indication, the GI, um, through educational and promotional events here in the U.S. So, um, you know, it's important to note that Verapa um, is probably one of the most terroir-based mm. spirits out there in that it, it really does depend on the, the raw materials. The grapes that it comes from, the area that they've been that they've grown in, the you know where the distillery is, like all of that stuff uh, affects the style and and the profile of of the grappa, which makes grappa fairly unique among among spirits in the world. So, um, and then to uh, Lisa mentioned this earlier, to be called grappa, it has to be hundred percent Italian territory, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, um, you can't call a, a spirit that's made similarly in the U.S. a grappa. You can actually call it that, but you can't sell it in the European Union. Right. I mean, it, just like you can't sell Corbell, but it's protected. But yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's protected by that. So, yeah. um, and so we're actually um, we have uh, a series of events planned uh, for this week, and. Um, the first event it will be at um, Bar Convent, which is um, a uh, a trade show that's happening here in Brooklyn. Uh, our, we're having uh, two hour long master classes um, at the show, uh, which is on Wednesday, June fourteenth. Um, they're both at, at two and three p.m. And so, if you're actually going to be at Bar Convent, um, we encourage you to come by and um, attend the master classes. Uh, we also have some workshops that we're going to be doing over at Italy in uh, the fl- in uh, Flatiron, Italy, since there's you know several several yeah. locations in Italy <laughs> and, and in New York. So this is the Flatiron uh, location, and so um, we're having two workshops at um, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Uh, and there you'll be able to to try um, several of the of the producers. Well, we're going to be there. They'll also be at the master class. Um, it's just uh, it's at the master class. It'll be sit, like a seated seminar style tasting, whereas the workshop will be a little more um, informal, standing kind of tasting around. And then finally, this is the one that we're most excited about: is that we're actually holding a bartender contest on Friday, um, June sixteenth, at um, at Hometown. Um, and it's uh, so we've got ten bartenders competing uh, to create the perfect cocktail that uses grappa and so we'll be awarding the 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 winner um a not insignificant amount of uh money uh for for winning that contest and so um and so every every bartender is going to be preparing uh samples for everybody who comes to the event so uh anybody who uh listens to this podcast is is more than welcome to attend the event uh at um, hometown on Friday, 
so it's um, uh, and then you know if you're if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about Hello Grappa, uh, socials are Hello Grappa. Um, it's HelloGrappa.com um, for the website. So it's um, it's an exciting series of events, and we're going to be busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I was like, <clears throat> and you've been and you've been involved for all three years. No. Okay. So uh, Balzac Communications has just basically taken on um, this particular week of events. Okay. Uh, so, um, and who knows, you know, there, there might be more in the future. Um, we do a number of, we have a number of clients from all, from all the world. Um, this, is, um, this is what we're doing this week, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. So with the, the mixology, um, love to hear from you, Lisa, on, so it's a spirit, right? So it's normally known as a digestif. You have a little bit of it, but like with what I think kind of what you did, we're like noticing trends in the spirits world. And it's so grappa cocktails. Is that where we're like literally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, why not? You know, make, they, make, they make cocktails from cognac. That's true. You know, they make you know, they make cocktails make from, you know, um, from whiskey, you know, sherry, why not? sherry. Why not? Why not? Grappa. And yeah. in fact, it makes a great, it makes a great cocktail, yeah. you know, um, depending on the kind that you use, you know, it's, um, it can, um, it can be used in something that's lighter. You can use one of the, um, uh, you know, the young grappas or something like that. Um, you know, if you want to do something more along the lines of a, a, like a heavier cocktail, you can use one of the, one of the aged versions for that. The smoked one? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, introducing grappa in the cocktails—it's uh, the way that you can reach the more audience, absolutely, you know, and can become more uh, young and more uh, drinkable. Uh, the way that we you can promote the product—it's uh, through cocktails. Yeah, I mean, the cocktail, co the cocktail culture, yeah. still is going strong. Yeah, and especially here in New York. Yeah, um, you know, it just—it's. Um, it's a it's a viable alternative um, to um, consuming this product. In fact, it's a really good one. Actually, I would say it makes a lot of sense if you look at if you look at how things have tracked spirit wise, mm -hmm. at least my lifetime. Um, the spirits were all part of mixed cocktails at first when tequila, but I mean, we do tequila shot, but then it was right. like tequila sunrise, margaritas, right. rum and coke, you know, and then what has happened uh, you know, Jack and Coke, Jack and Ginger, whatever. What has happened is then as people got used to the spirits, like, dude, I was in a store that was like, there's like freaking like $2,000 bottles of tequila. There's some crazy, like, so what has happened is now that people have come to accept these spirits and they've evolved, like you said, then you get it more high end, right? So you get people drinking grappa and then they go, oh, I kind of like grappa. Well, what would it be like to get a sipping grappa, right? Is that kind of like the uh, the framework you kind of work and introduce people and then take them up the value ladder of the flavor ladder rather? Yeah. If they want. <laughs> you know, a, I mean, you know, uh, the, we're perfectly happy if they just want to remain with cocktails. Yeah, I mean, I, you know? we're not going to push them up there, push yeah. them down the stairs, but yeah, the flavor ladder. But yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think about like there, there was, there's so many sipping tequilas and sipping rums now. Uh, and you it's know, the evolution. Huh? Yeah. It's Moonshine the evolution. came back, right? I mean, it's like spirits, you're right. Spirits game is strong. Yeah. And then canned grappa cocktails, right? Oof. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, RTDs and, um, and canned cocktails becoming um, popular. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see more of that. 
well, if you if you just uh, um, tasted the grappa sour, for example, very simple cocktail, you will be amazed how good it. Well, is. I like whiskey sour, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take this bottle and make myself a grappa sour. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I'm really. sure. I'm sure. Um, for you, how do you like your grappa? Uh, depends. Depends. Meat, as it uh, should be drank, is uh, still the way we. That's the traditional. Yeah, it's the traditional way with the coffee. It's it's the way we like it more. You know, at the end of the meal, mm-hmm. and, you know, with friends, uh, because Italian meals they finish with friends talking all around the table or around the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you sit there and you sip. Uh, the grappa by itself so neat uh, no air eyes no cold but room temperature so this is the the way we drink it but uh, more and more you know you can find the, the cocktail to put the, co- the grappa in the cocktail uh, that would be a different way of drinking and a different way of letting people know what is grappa mm-hmm. which actually uh, drinking neat grappa is a typical classic italian italian tradition that mainly you can find in the restaurants around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the restaurateurs, the Italian restaurateurs, actually was where the our brand ambassadors, they they where they start their business with an Italian restaurants. They want to have an Italian grappa to, to complete, you know, the the offer of the restaurant and to complete the Italian experience. So they were actually our the, the, the first in brand ambassadors for the grappa in the world. It's because grappa now is Italian, Italian cuisine, it's uh, world famous. It's probably and the most famous cuisine in the world. I, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, and, so. And, and, and they have a, even one single bottle, but they have a bottle of grappa in the restaurant. So yeah. the, the, that, that was uh, the, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest uh, push for the grappa in the world among them. Mm-hmm. And and they help us to to bring the product in the in the different countries. So, I I believe part of the success of Grappa is due to the Italian cuisine and the Italian restaurants in the world. You're in New York, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a few Italian restaurants. How, how many York. Italian restaurants do you have? There's like five on every block, yeah, right. or more. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, and. What have you seen over your time building this out? Like, what's what's the production? What was the production when you started in the marketing and communication department? And what is it now, Lisa? Like, so how, how has the brand grown? Like, say, from, like, 5,000 cases to 25,000. Like, what do you kind of know what the expansion's been? Well, our expansion was uh, was limited to our philosophy. We don't go to the supermarket chains. We okay. don't – we don't we, – we, we are a restaurant thing. Got it. We, we want to have somebody uh, on the other side that explains you what you're drinking. Yep. It's not something that you pick up on the shelf. Okay. And so that's why I said the restaurateurs are our friend ambassadors. Yep. They are messengers. They, they, they give the message. Mm-hmm. They teach you what uh, they educate you on what you're drinking. And this is the best way of promotion that you can have so we are very focused in restaurants when i said that we are in 60 countries but also always following the same philosophy so Mm -hmm. restaurants uh, wine shops wine stores uh, um, places where you have somebody who is telling you what you're gonna buy what you're gonna drink and this is this is 
what so the, our numbers are smaller than others. No, I understand that because I, I just, other producers within the Hello Grappa umbrella, you know, they produce more mm -hmm. and um, it's more readily available. Um, everywhere. Yeah, for the mass market yeah. also, yeah. and the, so they, they, the numbers are much higher than ours. But even to your point, when you do that, though, say someone has a grappa in a really nice restaurant, you're a grappa. They're not going to be able to go to a store and find it. <laughs> And ah. <laughs> unless it's a higher higher end store, mm -hmm. right? So like we have high end wine and spirit shops here, mm -hmm. but like you know, um, if you go into there's just like there's 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 three or four liquor stores or wine and spirit shops on every corner yeah. here. It's so important to have someone who can explain it, right? So someone could have had a great meal at Cipriani and had your grappa. They they go, they're looking for it. Actually, and, you can find this at Cipriani. I, 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 I assumed I see I, I gleaned that my my keen listening so I gleaned where you're going with that um, but uh, yeah but then like they couldn't walk into necessarily like you know they're not even going to be able to go to Whole Foods and get this and and there shouldn't be because someone has to explain to them what this is right because it's uh, it is a wine based spirit so it should get the respect it deserves from from uh, where it's made um, well I think that's the case now yeah but the whole point of a promotion like this is to increase education about the spirit so that people um, feel more comfortable ordering at restaurants or buying it from the shelf, um, that they feel like they understand it a little bit better and aren't afraid to you know, pick it up and try it. Like that alley -oop I gave you? Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, that's, and that is what this is important because I've learned so much just talking to you guys right now. I mean, I have worked in high-end stores and we did sell grappa. It's anyway a specialty drink. Yes. So you go in a specialty shop to, to buy. You don't go to the supermarket no. to, to find a, a, no. a foreign product like grappa. So you know where you have to go, like in the specialty shops and that, for Italy where you can find, yeah. you know, the Italian selection. Mm -hmm. Italian selections must be available in the shop to, to, to buy this kind of product. Yeah. So a couple more questions before I let you busy people because you got a busy week ahead of you. <laughs> These are a little bit more personal. So um, after all you've been through, um, you shared the journey of being a woman in this industry and persevering. And um, do you have a philosophy for your life, not just for your business, but for your life? How does Lisa live her life? Oh, working. <laughs> 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 I'm so busy working. <laughs> now it's uh, uh running a company, running a distillery company. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we have a lot of people working for us, and it's a uh, everyday routine that you have to control and uh, make sure that sales are okay, financially are fine. So it's a uh, it's involving a lot of time of your life. Uh, so. Despite the, the the time you you reserve for your family, for your your, your my kid and uh, and all the people that I I love, and family mainly, then it's work. Mm -hmm. It's mainly work. So it's do uh, the work is her, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, and then you know when you are in the in this kind of of job. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I go to the restaurants with my friends. It's always about my grap 
When I go to a cocktail bar with friends, it's all about crap. So you never stop working. Yeah. It's not that you you're never off. No, you're yeah. never off. And yeah. during the week, you go to restaurants, you go to bars, you go to all these places. So it's your life in some ways becomes becomes your your job. Yeah. And there's you cannot separate no. them. Totally makes sense. Which is quite tough. Sometimes they say, oh, you don't have your grappa in this place. Right. I say, I don't care. Yeah, people think <laughs> about that. Let me have a, a, a complete me right, without yeah, yeah. the the, uh, the entity of uh, selling something <laughs> to this guy. I don't care. I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, people say that sometimes. I'm like, I'm like yeah, it, on one level, it's great. You're going out. You're eating these meals. But there's also where people don't understand about the wine is really like oh you just eat and drink all day i'm like yeah. dude sometimes you want to be off <laughs> right exactly. you know exactly. and you're never off you're never off in this industry you're never off yeah yeah um how about you michael philosophy by which you live your life a guy who 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 shifted careers and started over and and paid the cost to be the boss himself there uh if it's not fun why do it mm. So, uh, yeah, I've lived by the philosophy that um, you should enjoy what you do uh, every day. And, um, and, I, and I, I relay that philosophy to everybody who works for me. So um, if they're not enjoying what they're doing, then they're um, either doing it wrong or they're in the wrong position. Mm. So um, that is that's pretty core to what I believe. Love it, love it. When I tell people I was coming to New York, for, for work and say, well, what, what are you going to do? Ah, we're going to meet people, restaurateurs, uh, bartenders. We're going to have cocktails. So you're working? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, yeah. That's my job, yes. <laughs> it sounds glamorous, but yeah. It, yeah. it does. I mean, it, 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 is, it, it, it works still. It's still work, yeah. But you have to love it. And I, I yes. really love what you said. If it's not fun, don't do it. And like you said, but there are nights you're like, you know what? I don't even want to be in this place. It doesn't mean enjoy my meal, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I, as you said, I love it. Yeah. And this is, it, the, I'm so lucky to love what I'm doing for a living that it's uh, really something I think... Uh, uh, makes me one of the luckiest person in the world. Oh, very nice, very nice. Last question for you, Michael, and then for you, Lisa. Um, what are you most excited about for the future? Uh, future of grappa, or just you, in general? Just in general, and, you know. And and you could also do grappa. You could do you could do the two parter for both of you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think the thing I'm most excited about is um, the potential that there is with um, the younger generations uh, of. of that are coming up, um, the millennials and the and the Gen Z, uh, they they look at the world completely differently okay. than uh, Gen X or older, and so as we as we move on in the years and as those uh, those demographics mature, I'm really looking forward to seeing like what kind of influence they exert on. Um, on this business in general. Um, I do think that Grappa in particular has a, a, a good opportunity in that regard because it is a fairly undiscovered uh, spirit and that's something that uh, that these generations love. They love to discover new things, experience new things. So I think that, that Grappa is, uh, is ideally positioned uh, for that situation. So, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what the what the next generations are going to bring to the table and um, how we're going to evolve uh, as in the wine spirits industry. Lisa, what are you most excited about for the future for your your, your yourself and of course for Grappa, which is intricately 
intertwine with yourself. <laughs> yeah, but we, we've spent our lives uh, promoting, and we would. Uh, my dream is really one day to see this product, this distillate, uh, among all the other international distillates with a proper uh, life and force and uh, identity. And this is uh, really. I mean, you spend all your life to to do this, and then that's what you you hope uh, it's gonna be at the end. No, and and also maybe see my son doing the same thing I'm doing, and <laughs> this would be that, that this has two meanings. It means that the Krapa is succeeding and is going uh, more and more. Uh, um, well in the future and that uh, I transfer the patient I have to the next generation. Very nice, very nice, very nice. <clears throat> well, thank you both so much for um, coming in and uh, talking with me. I really uh, learned a lot, very educational, um, both wonderful people. Now we need to drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 o'clock. So 12 o'clock. <laughs> um, and uh, you already did this earlier, but Lisa, tell people how they can be a part of what you're doing, your family. Where can they find your, your grappa, like your website, uh, socials? Well, we have a distributor here in New York, Empire, okay. which uh, has also, I think, some some stores okay. where you can find the, product, okay. the, the, the grappa and uh, mainly restaurants around the city. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so for all listeners, make sure to check out the show notes. I will put links to the hello grappa events uh i'll find her website put that i'll put the socials um and uh you know um make sure you check it out that's what i do and until the next time cheers to the mavericks philosophers deep thinkers and all you grappa drinkers it's your boy mj saying peace thank you so much for listening i hope you learned something you had some fun while you were here Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.